welcome to Mattering in the Music Room. This is a podcast for music educators who are interested in learning more about social-emotional learning and how to implement it in their everyday music classes. Thank you for joining me on this journey because everyone matters in the music room. Hi again, I'm Sarah Alipana, and I'm so glad you're joining me for episode four of Mattering in the Music Room. In the first part of this episode, I'll cover the last castle competency, responsible decision-making. Then I'll provide some researched benefits of social-emotional learning in the music classroom. Castle says, bring, that responsible decision-making is the ability to make caring and constructive choices about personal behavior and social interactions across diverse situations. This includes the capacities to consider ethical standards and safety concerns and to evaluate the benefits and consequences of various actions for personal, social, and collective well-being. Responsible decision-making. Several factors play important roles in the decision-making process. Time frame for decision, our values, and our priorities. Why is responsible decision-making part of the Castle 5 competencies? Well, our feelings play a huge part in the choices we make. Most of you listening probably have heard that the frontal cortex of the brain, the part that helps us make sound decisions, doesn't fully develop until after the age of 18. So it makes perfect sense as to why our students might need some help in making sound choices. It also makes sense as to why when given lots of choices, it can be overwhelming for our students. As teachers, we can help our students really think through all the parts of a decision and understand it so that they're not making impulse decisions, but rather really thinking through it. Whether there will be consequences to their actions and trying to think a few steps ahead of what might happen. They are using their social awareness skills and their relationship skills. Helping our students think through their decisions and really looking at the big picture of a decision is not the same as making the decisions for them. Encouraging our students to make small or big choices can help them foster their independence and confidence for later in life. Teaching Responsible Decision-Making. I talked in the last episode about how I teach my students to apologize. Well, when we find our students did not make the strongest choice, we can also coach them through how to make a stronger one. We can have them think through what happened in the scenario. Ask them, why did they make that specific choice? How did their choice impact others around them? 
and what can they do to repair the damage, if any, that they caused? I want to make sure I'm setting every single one of my students up for success when they enter my classroom. A few years ago, during my pre-service training week, my supervisor encouraged us to think about some procedure or activity that we taught in the past that just wasn't working well for us and that maybe needed a little more structure. I took some time and really thought about this and realized that my tiny humans were not being set up for success when we were doing improvisational movement in my classroom. My students were not making the most sound decisions with their bodies because they were getting overstimulated by the exciting movement possibilities that they were participating in. So I decided to spend that time during my in-service week coming up with classroom rules for moving safely. And they work so well that I still use them today. To make them engaging, I say them in a sing-song way that the students can repeat. So I'm going to say them for you now the way I do it with my students. I say, repeat after me, and my students, repeat after me. Rule number one, watch where you're going. Then I ask my students, why do we watch where we're going? Well, Miss Allie Panna, it's so that we don't bump into anybody else. Exactly. Rule number two, I should see you move. I should see you move. I should not hear you move. I should not hear you move. I made this rule because I noticed my students were screaming or talking when they were moving, mostly out of excitement, but they were missing the best part. We usually move to accompany music. And if they were screaming or talking, they couldn't hear it. So I made the rule, I should see you while you're moving, but I shouldn't hear you while you're moving. Rule number three, be in control of your own body. That one has a little part to it that says, try not to bump into anyone. And then the last one, rule number four is, move your own way. Try not to follow anyone. It is so hard to be independent when we have a new best friend. And so when my friends are moving, we wanna try and move our own way so we don't copy or follow any of our friends. These rules for moving are pretty self-explanatory. And because of being given moving parameters, my students are free to make beautiful movement choices. As DeFazio and Roser remind us, Please remember that making sound decisions is difficult when we are angry, tired, hungry, dehydrated, or feeling challenged. We can learn and teach our students how to evaluate the benefits and consequences of actions rather than simply acting on emotion. So that quote I put here because even though I have these excellent rules for moving, Sometimes they don't work because our students might be angry, they might be tired, they might be hungry, they might be thirsty, or something just might be a little too tricky for them. So give your students a little grace.
three R's. A great way for us to help our students make responsible decisions is with our teacher language. Through responsive classroom training, I learned about the three R's of teacher language. Reinforcing, reminding, and redirecting. There are whole chapters about each of the three R's in the fabulous book, The Power of Our Words by Paula Denton. For now, I'll summarize for you what she says. Reinforcing language can be used to highlight a student's strengths. This is one of the most important things to keep in mind when teaching. It's vital for teachers to see and name what students are doing well, and reinforcing language allows us to do that. When using reinforcing language, remember to name the concrete specific behaviors and use a warm professional tone. Also avoid naming some individuals as examples for others. Reminding language can be useful in lots of classroom situations. Denton says, by using reminding language before students start a possibly challenging task or right when they start to make a mistake, teachers help them stay on task, organized, responsible, and safe. When using reminding language, start by prompting children to remember for themselves what they should be doing. This shows faith in their competence and builds their autonomy. Remember to start by establishing expectations clearly, using a direct tone and neutral body language to keep the reminders brief and watch for follow through. Redirecting language lets teachers provide wise external control to keep children safe and productive when their self-control is failing them. Some points to remember for redirecting, be direct and specific. When children are far enough into a mistake to need a redirection, they need to hear exactly what you want them to do differently. Keep it brief. Phrase the redirections as a statement, not a question, and follow through after giving the redirection. Before I started using the three R's, I thought that maybe speaking to my students this way might confuse them or make them feel like I was maybe being too firm. But I realized when I took the emotion out of the language and was more direct with my students, they weren't confused by what I was saying. The expectations for behavior were much more clearly outlined for them. It took some time for me to reframe the way I spoke to students but I have seen that using the three R's has helped my students learn boundaries and clear expectations for my classroom. I hope listening to this podcast has inspired you to start or continue using social emotional learning in your music classroom. If you're feeling a bit overwhelmed, I have some good news and some advice for you. I'll start with my advice. It is to start small. Choose one competency you want to cover and dive into one of the activities I provided in the last few episodes. Just intentionally doing one competency will help your music classes run smoother in the long run. The good news I have for you is you're probably already doing some type of social-emotional learning work with your students without even knowing it. Our music classrooms are a place of community, collaboration, and creativity, and also some risk-taking. Many parts of the competencies are already part of 
all of our music classrooms. Jenny Heldstab says, social emotional learning is embedded throughout what we already do in our music curriculum. As we express emotions and work toward common goals, through singing, dancing, and playing instruments. Lindsay Jackson says that the music classroom is a place of amazing creativity and collaboration. It's also the ideal place to build and nurture students' social and emotional skills. She also says that the act of creating and sharing a piece of music requires students to be vulnerable. By giving students opportunities to create their own compositions, experience improvisation, and collaborate with others to make a new rhythm or melody, we provide opportunities for them to explore and express their emotions. Edward Varner says, Music activities that provide students with opportunities to learn about the social, cultural, and historical contexts of the music they are studying can foster the development of social awareness and interpersonal skills. By selecting a variety of music from around the world, we can help promote multicultural awareness on both local and global scale. You may be new to SEL as a concept, but it has been researched for the past several years, and I'd love to share with you some benefits both teachers and students have found when implementing social-emotional learning in their classrooms. As a child of the Reading Rainbow era, I loved the part at the end where the kids would recommend books. And before that, LeVar Burton would say, you don't have to take my word for it. So listeners, social emotional learning works in the music classroom, but you don't have to take my word for it. Here's some direct quotes from research I found on the topic. Kathy Morrison says that, research on the benefits of social emotional learning is hard to ignore. In a 2011 meta-analysis of over 200 students, scientists found that children who went through SEL programs in their schools had higher levels of social and emotional competency, expressed more positive attitudes towards themselves and others, and engaged in more pro-social, helpful, and kind behaviors than children who didn't have SEL programs. In addition, Problem behaviors like aggression and truancy went down in the kids receiving SEL, while academic performance went up significantly by 11 percentage points, a finding that even surprised the researchers. Nevra Kupana says that, It is scientifically proven that SEL, which is applied for students from preschool to the end of high school, improves self-confidence of children, increases levels of empathy, and control of disturbing emotions and impulses, and is useful for academic success. Lastly, Krista Hart mentions people with strong social and emotional skills are better equipped to confront challenges, solve problems, maintain healthy relationships, and succeed academically, professionally, and socially. 
SEL provides a foundation for long-term benefits that last long after they leave your classroom. Isn't that what we are all trying to do? Help our students be the best people they can be, both musically, but also emotionally as well? That's all for now for the Castle 5 competencies and my ideas for implementing them into your music classrooms. My last two episodes will be a two-part interview with Loren Tarnow, author of the SEL book, Sprouting Joy, Cultivating Social-Emotional Learning in the Music Classroom. Thank you for joining me on this journey, because everyone matters in the music room. Mm-hmm.